So today we're beginning a new worship series at Christ Church entitled The Gospel and You Too. As strange as it might sound, what we're going to do in this series is use the music of the legendary Irish rock band U2 to reflect on the good news of our faith. Now I realize not everyone who's gathered with us for worship this morning is familiar with U2. So let me begin by giving you a brief history of the band and tell you why we decided to do this worship series. U2 was formed in 1976 by four high school friends from Dublin, Ireland. Paul Hewson, who goes by Bono, is the lead singer. David Evans plays lead guitar and goes by the name The Edge. Adam Clayton plays the bass guitar, and Larry Mullen Jr. is the percussionist. U2 began as a post-punk band that played mainly in pubs and small venues. With the 1983 release of their second album, The Joshua Tree, however, they broke onto the international scene. And over the past 45 years, they've cut 67 singles, released 14 albums, won 22 Grammys, and sold over 170 million records. In addition, in 2005, on their first year of eligibility, they were inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What's most intriguing about U2 to me, however, is not the fact that they're a phenomenal band, which I happen to believe they are. What's most intriguing is the fact that almost every U2 song is based on or contains a biblical reference, usually to a psalm, a prophet, a gospel story that addresses some spiritual question we have, critiques some addiction we have to superficial pleasures, or calls us to promote social justice in the world. One author put it like this, the engine that drives you too is the biblical message. They're a band that's honest about the fact that they're people of faith, not a faith without questions or doubts, but a faith that's passionate. Passionate about helping people connect with God, Passionate about calling people to take the biblical message seriously. Passionate about reminding people that God wants them to use their lives to transform our messed up world into a kind of world God created it to be. Based on this, I hope our reflections on the gospel and U2 over the next few weeks, whether we're a U2 fan or not, will help all of us become the people God's calling us to be. So today we begin our series we begin with a U2 song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. This song was released on the album The Joshua Tree and became U2's second top 10 hit on the American Billboard Top 40. But people still love to hear the song. So let's pause for a moment and listen to it. I have climbed the highest mountains I have run
I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What's this song about? Well, there are a lot of opinions on the meaning of the song, but I think the song's really about a person who's searching for some incredibly important things. As Bono puts it in an interview I read, I still haven't found what I'm looking for is a gospel song. It's a song about our spiritual yearning. It's a song about someone who's searching for things that are missing in his life. Meaning, hope, peace, unconditional love but he just can't find them, at least in the way that lasts. It's a song about a search that at some level, every one of us is on. Bono's right, isn't he? I mean, at some level, all of us are searching for something. Some of us are searching for someone who can help us know that our lives matter, that they make a difference. Some of us are searching for someone who can help us be at peace, even when our world is falling apart. Some of us are searching for someone who can give us hope when things are so dark that, well, we can't see our way forward. 
some of us are searching for someone who can remind us that we are loved unconditionally, just as we are. As psychiatrist and concentration camp survivor Viktor Frankl reminds us in his classic book, Man's Search for Meaning, the search for meaning and hope and peace and unconditional love is a universal human endeavor. And if we fail to find these things, we'll end up in an existential vacuum, a vacuum that can have disease-making, even fatal consequences. What Frankl means is this. We are people wired to find meaning and hope and peace and unconditional love in our lives. And if we don't experience these things, it can not only make us sick, it can kill us. U2 reminds us that at some level, we're all looking for something. We're all on a search for something, for someone in our lives who can provide us with meaning and hope and peace and unconditional love. So where do we often turn to find what we're looking for in life? Well, the lyrics of the song suggest a few places. It says, I've climbed to the highest mountains, run through the fields, scaled city walls, kissed honey lips. I've spoken with the tongues of angels and even held the hand of the devil. In other words, the singers tried thrill-seeking experiences, material possessions, sexual encounters, and a host of other unhealthy behaviors. But what he discovers is that as exciting as these things were, as fulfilling as these things seemed in the moment, as gratifying as these things felt in the short term, they ultimately left him feeling empty, despondent, unsettled, alone, and unloved. After trying all these things, he still hasn't found what he's looking for. We know what that's like, don't we? I mean, think about it. How often do we think, if, if I could just engage in that thrilling experience or, or just go to that exotic place or just have a relationship with that person or, or just make that much money or, or just get that job or just move into that neighborhood or just get my kids into that college, well, then I'd be satisfied. I'd feel like my life was complete. I'd finally be at peace. I'd feel like I was accepted and loved. I finally have what I'm looking for. And so we do it, or we get it, or we accomplish it. And at first, well, we feel satisfied, but then maybe a few days or weeks or months later, well, something begins to happen. The adrenaline rush begins to subside, the excitement fades, the novelty begins to wear off, and, and we discover that what once seemed so perfect, what once seemed to give our lives so much meaning and hope and peace and love, well, it doesn't. We begin to feel empty, despondent, unsettled, unloved again. We sadly discover that we still haven't found what we're looking for. So where can we find what we're truly looking for in life? Well, I believe that's where our gospel story comes into play. It's a story about two men, Andrew and John. These two men, like many of us, were searching for meaning and hope and peace and unconditional love in their lives. We know this because the story tells us that they were disciples or students of John the Baptist, a holy man who was trying to help them find these things. One day as they were talking with John, Jesus walked by. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he turned to these men and he said, Look, there is the Lamb of God. Or as one commentator puts it, Look, there is the one who came from God. 
Not only came to break the power of sin in our lives, but to show us the path to true life and help us live it out. Hearing this, Andrew and John approach Jesus. And when they do, something happens. Jesus asks a question. What, what do you want, he says? What do you seek? Or as the New English Bible translated, what are you looking for? The Greek word that is used here it means spiritual hunger or search for meaning. Isn't it interesting? The first thing Jesus says in the Gospel of John is what do you really want? What are you truly looking for? Well, Andrew and John respond to Jesus' question with a question of their own. Rabbi, they say, where do you live? That seems like a strange question, doesn't it? I mean, why would these men ask Jesus where he's living, where his house is? Well, again, in order to understand their question, we need to understand the Greek word that is used here. The Greek word that Andrew and John use when they ask Jesus where he lives doesn't mean where is your house. It doesn't mean what street do you live on. It doesn't mean where can we find you if we need you. No, the Greek word that is used here has a much deeper, much more significant meaning. What these men ask is, Rabbi, where do you live? What is the motivating force of your life? What's your teaching? What's your worldview? What's your value system? How do you find a source of meaning and peace and hope and unconditional love for yourself? When Jesus hears them ask this question, he simply says, come and see. What does Jesus mean by this? Well, I believe Jesus is issuing these men an invitation. He's saying, hey, if you want to find the things that you're truly looking for in life, come hang out with me. Come and spend time with me. Come follow me. If you will, you'll begin to see, understand, comprehend a way of life that will give you what you're truly looking for. I'll give you a new worldview. I'll give you a healthy value system. I'll show you a path, a way of living that will give your life meaning and peace and hope and unconditional love. The kind of things God wants you to experience in this life. So they decide to go with him. They decide to follow Jesus. And because they do, their lives are changed. Their lives are transformed. So what does this say to us this morning? Simply this. If we're searching for someone who can help us find a sense of meaning and purpose for our lives, if we're searching for someone who can help us find a deep sense of peace in the midst of life's storms, if we're searching for someone who can help us have hope when all seems lost, if we're searching for someone who can remind us that we are loved, accepted just as we are, Jesus invites us to come with him. Spend time with him. Learn from him. Follow him. Jesus invites us to give him a try. And if we will, he says, he'll help us find what we are truly looking for. So how do we respond to Jesus' invitation? What does it look like? Well, it will be different for each of us. For some of us, it may mean following Jesus for the first time. It might mean saying, you know, I'm not sure about you, Jesus. I've got my questions, my doubts. But you know, I've tried just about everything else. And it's not working. 
So I'm willing to give you an opportunity. I'm willing to take that first step. I'm, I'm willing to begin a relationship with you. I'm willing to learn about you and from you. I'm willing to begin to put your wisdom and your teachings and your way of living and your worldview to the test and see what happens. Those of us on this stage of the journey may be like a friend of mine who, who suffered from migraine headaches. He tried all kinds of doctors, all kinds of medications, all kinds of traditional therapies, but, but nothing seemed to work. Then one day a nurse said to him, look, all this traditional stuff, it's just not helping. Why don't you try Chinese acupuncture? My friend said I wasn't sure about having someone stick needles in my body and I had no idea how it would work or if it would work. I had a lot of questions and, and a lot of doubts. But I was at my wit's end. So I decided to give it a try. I picked up the phone, I made an appointment and I went. And much to my amazement, the acupuncture worked. My migraines are now under control. For some of us, responding to Jesus' call to come and see simply means taking that first step. Giving Jesus a try, putting him to the test. It means saying, Jesus, I'm going to do what I can to begin to follow you. I'm going to participate in watching this worship service on a regular basis. I'm going to try praying each day. I may join a Bible study. I'm going to invite you to teach me your wisdom, your way, your way of looking at the world. We're willing to do that. We're willing to take that first step. My guess is we, like my friend who tried acupuncture, may be amazed at what happens. We may be amazed at how we begin to discover that our lives take on meaning and that we're more at peace when things don't go our way and that we don't give up but continue to have hope even when life gets very dark and that we discover that we really are loved, not for what we have, but for who we are. For others of us, however, responding to Jesus' invitation to come and see may mean something else. Maybe at some point we decided to follow Jesus, but, but we really haven't taken it all that seriously. I mean, we've been kind of following on the periphery. And because we haven't fully invested ourselves, we haven't found our faith to be all that satisfying. We don't find that it makes much difference in, in how we live our daily lives. So for us, well, we may need to renew our commitment to the journey. Perhaps we may need to be like the person I talked to recently who said, you know, I've been a Christian for a while, but I really haven't put my faith into practice, especially around issues of racism and social justice. And the events of this summer, however, well, they've been a wake-up call for me. I've been reminded that Jesus sided with the outcast, that he spoke out against inequity, that he helped those who were oppressed, that, that he spent his entire life seeking to enact positive change. So if I'm truly going to follow him, well, maybe I need to do the same thing. So recently, I've been looking for ways to give my time to work for change. I've begun to educate myself on the reality of systemic racism. I've, I've volunteered to help people to register to vote. I've, I've had some very uncomfortable conversations with some of my black and brown brothers and sisters. And you know, by doing these things, well, I've discovered something. I've discovered that when Jesus said, give and it will be given to you, he was, well, he was telling the truth. 
I've never experienced so much meaning and purpose in my life. Theologian Paul Tillich once said this, when Jesus invites us to come and see, He's inviting us to journey with Him long enough, seriously enough to get to know Him, to be influenced by Him, to be grasped by Him. People who only dabble in religion are not affected by it. So for some of us, Jesus' invitation to come and see, to come and follow Him is an invitation to go deeper in our faith. Maybe to get involved in a serious Bible study. Maybe to find a way to serve and care for hurting and lonely people in our church or in our community. Maybe to become more socially or politically active. Maybe to increase our giving to our church and other ministries working to recreate God's world in the name of love. The good news is as we respond to our Lord's invitation in a deeper way, He helps us find deeper meaning and peace and hope and unconditional love in our lives. He helps us find the things we're looking for. So here's the deal. Through today's song, you too, says we're all looking for something for meaning and purpose in life, for a deep sense of peace in the midst of life's storms, for hope in life's darkest moments, for an unconditional love that accepts us as we are. Our faith says Jesus is the one who came to help us find these things and more. As he puts it in the Gospel of John, I have come that you may have abundant life. So may we all respond to his invitation. May we all give him a chance. May we all take whatever step we need to take today, wherever we all are on our journey. May we all come and see. May we all follow Jesus wherever he leads. If we will, I believe we'll truly find what we're looking for. Amen.